Before we jump into today's episode, I have some very exciting news. Nordic Naturals' number one selling fish oil is now in gummy form. If you've been listening to our podcast, you know by now just how important omega-3s are for optimizing immune function, supporting a healthy brain and heart, and above all else, keeping our cells healthy, which supports every structure and process in our bodies. However, we also know that it can be very tough to meet your omega-3 needs through diet alone. And for some people, swallowing a pill is just not very appealing. Luckily, in just two chewable gummies, you get 1,200 milligrams of omega-3s, which is our highest potency omega-3 gummy. And they're also delicious, which helps you remember to take them each day. Head to Nordic.com and use the code NaturallyWell15 for 15% off our new Ultimate Omega Gummy Chews and start making Omega-3s part of your daily routine. Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live All with Kate. Today's guest is Austin McGuffey, which you may also know as Metabolism Mentor. Austin is a content creator and business owner passionate about health. As a former personal trainer, his experience with training clients led him down a path of figuring out the best way to help people with the least amount of effort. And he found that the answer is educating people. Nutrition is a complicated field and Austin does his best to distill confusing topics into easy to understand pieces of content that leave people with a better understanding of how their bodies work. When he's not spending time with his family, he enjoys creating content that makes metabolism easy to digest for the average person. In this episode, Austin shares realistic strategies to boost your metabolism and control your blood sugars that anyone can implement into their daily routine. We specifically dive into how to snack, move your body, and compose a meal. Austin always brings motivating and inspiring energy to his content, and this episode is no exception. Make sure to stick around to hear Austin's easy mealtime trick that can have a drastic positive effect on your blood sugars, weight, and overall health. Austin, welcome to the show. I was just saying, I love your energy. And for all of our listeners, you are in for it with this one because Austin not only brings so much energy to the conversation, but so much knowledge that you will be able to understand. Um, Austin, I'm so happy to have you here. And I love, I know we just read your intro, but I'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit more about your journey and what made you focus on metabolism. Yeah. So, um, so thank you, first of all, for inviting me. It's always so fun to do podcasts and have genuine conversations about health. Um, but I started out as a personal trainer. And, you know, this was, or at least the people that I was training, it was more about, you know, the abs and, I want you know, the beach body and um, the glutes. And, of course, I've been married for quite some time. And training a woman for bigger glutes wasn't really on my it's not something that was included in our vows. So um, my wife was like, yeah, let's kind of figure something else out. Um, but she took a um, functional nutrition course. And of course, I was nosy standing over her shoulder, kind of um, looking at all those things. And it took me a while to actually be interested. My wife is actually the person who, who set me on this path of really understanding just how the body works. Um, and how food was impacting my own personal health, because I've always been like generally healthy. I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic um, in my early 20s because I have an active sugar addiction that 
I sometimes relapse on. <laughs> um, but my wife was just like, hey, listen, like this is what's happening to your body. And I would consistently get sick every time our kids had a cold. And now that you have a nine month old, I'm sure you understand <laughs> what that's like. Um, so it just turned into me really just like a genuine interest, like what's going on inside of my body. Um, and then, you know, I just try to find fun ways to communicate what's fascinating to me. And that's where all these weird quirky skits come from on social media. And um, the name Metabolism Mentor was birthed because I never wanted to brand myself as an expert because I'm not an expert yet. Um, but I also know a little bit of what I'm talking about. So I kind of figured that the middle ground was like a mentor, someone to, to guide you along your process um, and just connect you to the right resources that you need. So that's kind of how it all started. Yeah. And definitely Austin, I would say you're in that expert field. I mean, just going through which you do need to go check out Austin's Instagram. It's great and so entertaining, but you've learned so much, but you are always bringing the science. There's, mm -hmm. You're not making anything up or just, or a lot of the times I feel like what can happen on social media is people just say anecdotally what worked for them but that's not always what's going to work for everyone. So I always right. appreciate you bringing the science to it and that people know, or if I direct people to your page, they, I know that they're actually getting the real deal and it's not just, um, advice. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I will, I, I'm going to go put expert in my bio now. Just because <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> um, how did you, I'm so curious, Nelson, how did you end up like focusing in on, metabolism? Was it from mm. that course or just something you noticed? So it was, um, so I used to work for Best Buy. I was a general manager in my early, uh, early twenties. And I've always had this thing for technology. I've, I've loved technology. And so when I discovered Levels, which is the, um, you know, they do a glucose monitor plus the cool app. It was like the perfect mixture between what I was interested with tech and my budding interest in health. And so I reached out to them um, maybe like a year before we started working together. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I just uh, want to try your product. And they like sent me to the intern. It was like, yeah, we'll get back to you later. And then I, um, I published this video on YouTube about how, uh, I don't know, eight shots of Casamigos tequila was going to impact my blood sugar. And of course, that got their attention. Um, but after I actually tried um, the levels and I really started to understand my blood sugar, I figured that this was something that everybody needs to know a little bit more about and decided to kind of really like hone in on that and focus on it. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And for anyone listening, if you don't know levels, it's a continuous glucose monitor. So it will measure based off of what you eat. It'll measure what your blood sugar levels are. So you can see when they're spiking, when, whether it's you've taken in more carbs than your body can handle at that time, or some people are just more sensitive to certain carbs than others. And that's where it gets really personal too. And I know you right. dive into that Austin, um, because that's a big piece of it too. For some people eating an orange by itself will spike their blood sugars really high. And for others, not so much. Um, so it's always interesting. And the good thing is like, there's 
there's little ways your body can tell you if you're spiking. Um, I'm curious, Austin, like, what do you think are your best tips for people? Like if they don't have the continuous glucose monitor, like what did you notice when those levels were spiking or when they were more normal, just how you felt? Yeah. So the biggest sign for me that my glucose was spiking was my inability to focus. Um, I remember specifically I was um, sitting down and um, editing videos and I just had like a big old bowl of oatmeal. And I normally have protein prior to to try to blunt the blood sugar spike, but we ran out of eggs. So (laughs) I didn't have any. So I just downed a bowl of oatmeal and probably like 30 minutes into me, like trying to complete my work, I just lost it. Like, I don't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was having trouble focusing. I'm like here and there. Um, But some other telltale signs are like being jittery. Um, Of course, you know, after your blood sugar spikes, what goes up must come down. And so you have a blood sugar crash and that's when we feel sleepy, tired, groggy, um, a little bit of brain fog. So those are sometimes ravenous. That's when that hanger can come in. (laughs) Yeah. You start craving sweets out of nowhere, which Mm -hmm. is a really big problem for me. (laughs) So it's like, I think that uh, the continuous glucose monitor is a great piece of technology. Unfortunately, it's not to the point where it's accessible to most people, um, which is what Levels is working on. So proud of the work that they're doing. But we all have natural sensors inside of our body that tell us what's going on with our blood sugar if we were to just pay a little bit closer attention. And that's so hard in this world that we live in. We have all this external stimuli with social media, and then you've got work, and then you've got, you know, for some of us kids. Um, So it's really hard to pay attention to our body to figure out what it's telling us. But if we took the time to slow down and just pay attention to some of the cues, then, you know... Having a continuous glucose monitor is great, but that's, it's not the only thing you can use to figure out how your body is reacting to food. Totally. And I think a big thing of what you just said is slow down to pay attention because I've noticed with a lot of people and it's just, it's the society we live in, but it's like, okay, wake up in the morning, let's dump some coffee on ourselves. So we then have this caffeine rush then maybe we do have a sweeter breakfast. And even for some people, they could be eating like they're, or drinking their healthy smoothie, but Mm -hmm. it's loaded with all this fruit, not enough protein. So, right. So then we're on this blood sugar high on top of our coffee. So we're just like feeling the high Mm -hmm. and you can't even take the time really to slow down and notice like, okay, actually this is more of like fake energy right now. And I'm feeling more of a high than just, what we really should feel most of the day is kind of this, like, you know, I say calm, but obviously, right. We have all these stressors in life that can come at us, Mm -hmm. but internally you should feel calmer. So like, I'll notice if I work with clients and once we get their blood sugar stable and they're not on the hunger roller coaster all day long, yeah, it's just this sense of being able to be more mindful, whether you're going into a meal and you can actually choose your meal versus being hangry and being like, I will just eat whatever is quick right now. Exactly. Um, So I think that's a really big key for most people is like taking the time to slow down and be able to pay attention because most of us, I feel like can't even pay attention right now. I mean, 
not only is it difficult to pay attention, but the cues that our body gives us are so subtle. There, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, um, I mean, if you look at um, cravings, for example, like you won't know that you're having a craving until you're halfway through whatever it is that you just got done craving. Um, I know for me personally, like this past week, I was kind of, so I, I got over being sick and then I was like, oh, great, I'm healthy again. So I kind of like opened up my diet to a little bit more sugar. And it takes, it really takes me a couple of days to get to the point where I'm like, okay, like I've been tripping the past couple of days and I need to go ahead and reel it back in. But that's a result of me slowing down and like really like taking inventory of how my body feels throughout the day. Yeah. Well, and Austin, I'm sure cue for you, like the more, and I'm the same way, the more sugar you eat, the more sugar you crave. Mm -hmm. So like, I know if I'm in that dessert you know, flow where I'm having dessert at night. It's like every night I'm expecting that. And I'm craving that sugar. But if I'm in a period where not really eating like sugar at night or mostly throughout the day, it's like, I'm not even craving it at all. So that's like, that's one of those cues is like, if you are constantly craving that sugar, really needing it, that's one of those cues to say, Hey, maybe I should pump the brakes. And I'm not, and it's, that's, that's not the easy part, right? Like that day or two where you're pumping the brakes, not so easy, or even caffeine, if you're taking it back, um, especially when you get those headaches. Um, but (laughs) I promise you'll feel better after I'm curious though, Austin, for anyone listening, what would be your top or some of your top tips to support not only your metabolism, but your blood sugars as well? Um, so I think that the top, the easiest, I think are, well, first of all, is like daily movement. I think people really underestimate how powerful, like just going for a walk is like just getting up and going for a walk because our muscles are, they love using glucose. And as you move your body, especially after a meal, your body is going to take that extra glucose that was processed from your meal and it's going to use it for fuel. But if we're sedentary and we're sitting down all day, our muscles are kind of like, oh, I'm bored. Like, I don't need any energy. I'm fine. And so then our body has to, you know, use extra insulin to get that glucose under control Um, and, you know, end up getting in that roller coaster ride with your um, glucose levels. So movement is so important and especially movement after a meal. I would say that's the first thing. Um, The second thing is not eating carbs by themselves. That's something that I probably figured out how to work myself into that habit after maybe a good 30 to 60 days of not doing it. Now, even without thinking it's, I don't eat carbs without at least pairing it with protein or fat. Um, and in a rare occasion that I do have carbs with no protein or fat, I'm moving while I'm eating it. So I'll be taking my kids for a walk. Um, I know they have like little Z bars. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with those. I've seen them. Yeah. I haven't had okay. one. Okay. Well, a couple more years when your, <laughs> when your kid gets a little bit older and starts going to school, uh, they'll probably come home with one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Z bar, they're so high in sugar. Um, but they're delicious. And sometimes I just, you know, I grab one and I go for a walk. Um, it doesn't always prevent the blood sugar spike, to be honest with you. Um, but never eating carbs alone, I think, is the second easiest way to keep your blood sugar under control. Um, and then the third thing is starting your day off with a savory meal and not like a sugary meal. So 
I do have a bowl of oats every single morning, just about every morning with almond butter and blueberries and a few other things to blunt the blood sugar spike. But before every bowl of oatmeal, I have either eggs or some smoked salmon or something savory that's not going to get my day started with a blood sugar spike because I know how I am. And once I start coming down, I'm going to start craving sweets. And then from that point on, it's, it's just up and down all day. And as much willpower as I have, it is tough to fight yeah. against your Once, physiology. Oh my gosh. Once you're on the roller coaster, Austin, it's like, it's really tough to get up. You almost have to like check in the next day, but I'm yeah. really glad something you brought up. So not having our carbs alone, but also important, like you're having your eggs and your smoked salmon before those carbs as well. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about why we would want to have like protein, fiber, or fat before those carbs? Yeah. So your uh, protein, fiber, and fat, they basically help slow down the digestion of carbs. So carbs are known as like quick energy. Your body takes them, digests them, and it's like, boom, I'm ready to go. Uh, The issue is when we have too many carbs um, in one sitting, then it obviously turns into too much glucose. And once our glucose gets over a certain range, it becomes dangerous for our cells. So we want our blood sugar to remain stable, like a flat line. And eating um, protein, fat, fiber prior to carbs helps to slow down the digestion so that your blood sugar can remain stable after you eat your food. Um, and that's like a it's, it's, it's an easy hack. And there are so many other things to do. There's an account. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's called Glucose Goddess. Oh, she's phenomenal. Yeah. And that's all she posts. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. drink some um, apple cider vinegar before your meal. Um, it's just small stuff like that. And sometimes they seem so gimmicky. Like it's like, yeah. oh, that's just like a hack, but this stuff actually works. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Austin, like going back to your movement one, she had posted one not too long ago that was like just having a margarita. And then it was like having a margarita and dancing. Yeah. Right. And just seeing the difference. So it's that little, like those little tips too. And, um, I know Austin, you have a really good hack though, for your bowl method. With having, oh, yeah. like, with helping to have carbs um, at the end, can you tell everyone? Yeah. So I, at some point, so I have these really um, big bowls of usually like vegetable. Um, I put like some steak on top, and then I always put like a cup of quinoa. And if you eat a cup of quinoa by itself, you will spike your blood sugar like crazy. Um, even though it's healthy, right? Even though it's healthy, it's yep. a healthy whole grain. Um, but how you eat is just as important as what you eat. So I took all these ingredients and I mixed them in a bowl. And naturally, because the quinoa was just heavier and the texture was different, it sunk to the bottom of the bowl. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. (laughs) So whether I want to or not, I'm getting to the quinoa last. And every time I ate my meal that way, it resulted in a stable blood sugar response. A cup of quinoa, but because I had steak on top, tomatoes and spinach in between, and then the quinoa last, it was an easy way to keep a stable blood sugar response. And so like, if you're having any meals, as long as you put the carbs at the bottom, then Mm -hmm. by the time you get to the carbs, either a, maybe you're not hungry anymore. You know, maybe you can kind of, um, look at your satiety signal and you might be okay and you wouldn't need to eat them. But if you are still hungry, Sure. Eat them because you just had your veggies and your protein prior to eating them. And it should result in a more stable blood sugar response. Yeah, no, I also just think eating out of like an oversized bowl is so fun, like so much more fun, especially for lunch. I don't know why, but (laughs) 
And like for me, a salad is so much more enjoyable when it's just in like a gigantic bowl and I can oh, just like agree. mix it. I can mix it as I please. I don't have to like worry about it spilling over. Right. So yeah, that, that's my tip. Everyone use an oversized bowl. Um, <laughs> I'm curious, Austin, what your thoughts are on snacking mm-hmm. and any advice around snacking. So snacking is <clears throat> to some generally looked at as like a bad thing. Um, because anytime you eat, you have the potential to, you know, spike your blood sugar and then have a impending crash, which could lead to more cravings. Um, it's also an easy way to overconsume on calories for the day, depending on what you're eating. But snacking is you, you really have to take a nuanced approach because it really depends on what you're snacking on. Um, having a box of Cheez-Its for a snack is going to be a lot different than eating some olives and a cheese stick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or some olives and a cheese stick and maybe a few Cheez-Its afterwards, you know? Yeah. Um, like what you're eating really makes the biggest difference. Um, so Austin, can you break that down for us? Like what the difference would be of just having those Cheez-Its versus having like a cheese stick, some olives, and maybe a few Cheez-Its? Yeah. So your Cheez-Its, not only are they processed foods um, and the ingredient list is as long as a CVS or Walgreens receipt, um, but it's also uh, high, heavy carbs. And I think they have some sugar in them as well. Um, so naturally, if you eat that first, especially as a snack, more than likely it's going to be on an empty stomach. And so your stomach is like, oh, got it quickly turns into glucose and that would result in a glucose spike. Um, now, if you just eat olives or cheese, those are great sources of fat, um, as well as several micronutrients that are just beneficial to like your gut microbiome in general. Um, so you eat those alone, they will not result in a glucose spike. Now, if you eat those prior to those cheeses that you really want, although they're higher in carbs, although it's processed foods and got all the longest of ingredients, should you eat them? Probably not. But we're human and we're all going to eat stuff we're not supposed to eat every now and then. And oh, our bodies totally. are so resilient. Like, we're going to be okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if you eat the olives and the cheese before the cheese its then it would likely result in a more stable response versus eating the cheese its alone. Yeah, no, that's it. It's a great tip too, because I often tell people, okay, if you really want, I mean, who doesn't want guac and chips, but if you really want the guac and chips and you're making yourself like, I'm a big proponent of like, if you're going to make a snack, make a really nice little snack plate for yourself, Mm -hmm. but like have some, like have some chips, have your guac, have some veggies on the plate, try to eat the veggies with the guac, a lot of that first, and then see Mm. how many chips you want versus right. Right. Like just pulling up the bag and having the guac or that's like one thing with snacking. I look at it. It's it's such a great opportunity to get in more veggies or at times fruit, especially if it's like post-workout or you're about to go for a walk. Um, but it's like, if you make, if you think about it, like making that nice snack plate yourself and having multiple components on that plate, like maybe a few olives, mm-hmm. but always trying to add veggies to that plate or a yeah. little bit of fruit and then having those healthy fats. Um, exactly. I'm a big olive proponent. So it's like, I could eat olives for a snack every day, but yeah. make it nice for yourself. Or if you're even having like, you know, your almond butter and apple, cut mm-hmm. up your apple, put some cinnamon on top, which can be really supportive right. for your blood sugar and just make it nice for yourself. Yeah. Like you have know? fun, have fun yeah. with your food. I think that's what's so, 
um, it sends mixed signals a lot because food is very much a cultural and um, it's, it's an emotional experience for a lot of people. It's more than just um, nutrients. It yeah. people experience food, and there is a way to eat healthy food and to have a good, tasty experience with it as well. Um, people, I think a lot of people have this idea that you have to deprive yourself of the things that you really want in order to have, you know good metabolic health or just good health in general. And while some people in some situations will be better off avoiding things that they really want, like me and candy, (laughs) um, you know, if you, for the most part, if you, you know, prioritize foods that are going to support, you know, healthy cellular function, there are opportunities to still enjoy food. And then with snacking, it's like, most of the time, we just want something to chew on, you know, like, am I really hungry or am I bored? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's honest, you're bored. And there may be a time of the day where you just habitually are chewing on something or snacking on something. And like you said, it's a really good opportunity to introduce some uh, good nutrients to your body. that are going to further your, your health. Yeah. A tip I love Austin, is if you're craving like crunchy, salty, and you realize like, well, we're just bored get like, whether it's carrot sticks or whatever veggies you'd like, like, or cucumbers great too, and sprinkle a little bit of sea salt on it. And it's like, you get that crunch, you get that salt. Yeah. And it's kind of okay if you're just eating because you're bored, because you're just eating like some fiber and veggies and water. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it's so true. It's like, I'm glad you brought up that like snacking is so like demonized. I feel like, and looked at as a bad thing, but it can actually be a really supportive thing. Cause like, if you're adding those veggies or getting in like, you know, a fruit serving for that day, it's, it's great. But remember too, with having that fruit, you don't, that's a carb. You don't want to have that alone. So put it on that snack plate, make it nice for yourself. And something I think we forget too about, it's like, we're talking about enjoying, right. And feeling satisfied. We also eat through our eyes, right? And the smells of things. So like making that nice snack plate versus like just throwing something together in a second, which will always happen, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's life. But if you have the time to try to make the time, because even just looking and enjoying your meal through your eyes, right? Or the smell of it, that's going to help you feel satisfied at the end of the meal way more than if you're just like throwing something together and you're not even taking the time to look at it and see what it's like and enjoy it that way. And how many of us are doing that on a daily basis? Well, we're not really looking at our food. Yeah. (laughs) Like (laughs) we all are. I think there are actually some studies that suggest that, you know, slowing down, smelling your food, making a plate, that's Mm -hmm. all a part of the digestive process. Um, and And, it helps our body to digest Yeah, totally. And maybe it's like just one meal, like maybe find the meal where you do get some extra time and you can just really enjoy it. It's, it's funny also that we're talking about this because I was like, I felt like dinner time was always a time where like my husband and I could really sit down, like have good conversation, um, and just sit and enjoy from the day. And then obviously having a baby that changes everything. And we started bumping up his bedtime. We like to eat dinner early too. Cause we go to bed early and we started bumping up his bedtime until six o'clock wow. because I mean, one, we found he woke up at the same time anyways. So we're like, well, okay. you're just going to go to bed earlier, <laughs> but now it's really nice getting the time 
to like, okay, we put him to bed. Like then we can cook dinner or have dinner made and then really sit down and enjoy it. But it was really frustrating for me when he was still up and we were trying to like all eat dinner together, which is just not working. And I was like, I don't even know what I just ate. I can't even think about it. And I'm like, and this is my meal that I enjoy. And I really sit down and I'm not working anymore. And so I think like, that's part of it too, is you have to find, if you realize right now that there are no meals that you're doing that for, at least just pick one and try to enjoy it that way. Well, we got on a a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it's a really important (laughs) thing. That's really important. Yeah. Um, And then I think when you become mindful and accomplishing something small like that can turn into a snowball effect for some of the other mm -hmm. habits that you'd like to implement in your life. If you, if you find out that you can slow down, especially having children, that you can slow down and like enjoy one meal. It's empowering. It's like, man, like, okay, I was conscious and intentional about that. What else can I apply that same level of intent to, to, you know, improve my health? Yeah. And it is that trickle down effect, because if you're on that hunger roller coaster, there is going to be no slowing down to enjoy that meal. So you first have to right? like it, it does, it just all, ties in so well together. I actually, it's funny. I just started with a new client last week and, you know, she has this long list of goals that she wants to accomplish. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, guess what? Like these three things we're going to do, these three habits, we're going to hit all those goals. Like it's just, it all plays so well into each other. And that's why I'm so glad we're talking about blood sugar metabolism, because I actually do think those are the two keys Mm-hmm. to long-term health right. um, and also happy, like feeling happier as well, yeah. because yeah. you're not on that roller coaster and you're calmer. Like I noticed for myself, like I used to be on the roller coaster every single day. I feel like in college, that's all mm-hmm. I was on. And then, you know, it took me a bit after, but when I first really started to pay attention, obviously like I've been in nutrition since college, but it wasn't yeah. until after that I all put it together. Mm-hmm. And I just had this like sense of cal- more calm around food. Now, does yeah. it still happen occasionally? Of, of course, course. Yeah. but it just feels so much better. And I think uh, that's really, that's the power for me because, um, in this space, most, or a lot of the talk is about like longevity and there are people who live with chronic diseases up until the 80, 85, mm-hmm. 90. Right. Um, so Living long for me is not really like the thing that I'm trying to accomplish. I want my life to be full. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I have a week of blood sugar um, spikes and crashes, I was not my best self that week. And then that that affects my relationship with my wife. It affects my relationship with my kids. And it has this trickle down effect to every area of my life. And I want to like... I just want to be the best me that I possibly can. Yeah. And one of the things that helps me do that is by keeping my blood sugar stable. As gimmicky as that sounds, it's such a, uh, it's, it's just, it's not the panacea. It's, there are so many other things that contribute to like our overall health. Um, but man, like when I'm on that glucose roller coaster, I, it's, I'm just not the person that I know I want to be. Totally. I mean, you just feel better. And it's not what this is all about. It's like mm-hmm. it's even what you just said, Austin. It's like great if you live till you're 80, but you're miserable and exactly. not feeling good. Right. Um, but no, it's so interesting. And I want to get back to exercise, especially with your expertise. Are there certain types of exercise that are better to support your metabolism and blood sugars? So 
I think that question, it really depends on the person. So if you are an insulin like resistant person, if you're more insulin resistant, then really high intensity exercise may not be your friend because you're going to be elevating your blood sugar and um, your pancreas is not as efficient as moving that glucose where it's supposed to go. Um, I personally believe that the most beneficial type of exercise that anybody can do is uh, resistance training, um, building muscle. Me and too. Not, yeah, not only am I like, that's my, that's some, my like personal time. That's where I go, my refuge. Um, but built muscle, like I said earlier, it loves to use glucose. And the more muscle you have, the more cells the glucose is able to go into and to be stored. Um, so if you work on building your muscle, then you give your body a better chance at regulating blood sugar. So I'm like the bro split kind of guy. I'm like chest and back, buys and tries and legs. And I go five days a week and I train hard and um, I get my, you know, one or two walks in a day. And that's, that's pretty much like my routine, but resistance training, 100%. Yeah, no, you're creating more room in those muscles for that glucose and those carbs to be stored. And for anyone listening to, it's like, once your muscles are filled up, everything else is stored as fat. Yeah. So that's where it's really important too, that we have enough room. And how often do you then adjust? Because if you are lifting five days a week, like you are, Mm -hmm. you get more room to play with those carbs, right? So do you try to make sure like, do you have carbs pre and post-workouts? Because then like also too, when you work out, right, you're using that glucose and your muscles are like, Hey, for recovery, I need some more, like fill me back up a little bit. So how do you adjust like your day and your carbs and meals to fit into those more intense workouts? Yeah. So I do, uh, I usually do eat carbs prior to my workouts. Uh, I still don't eat them naked. I still pair them with fat fiber or protein. Um, But one thing that I learned with using a continuous glucose monitor is how many carbs can I have? without spiking my blood sugar or to keep my blood sugar stable throughout the day. Um, and I've been monitoring for a good bit of time now. So I found a really good sweet spot where I know I can get in about 300 grams of carbs and still have a stable blood sugar response. And that's a lot. Nice. Wait, each but, day or per? Yeah, each, each day. day. Yeah. yeah, each day. Um, and that's, that's on the high end for probably a lot yeah. of people when it comes to what their body can tolerate. But you're also exercising your lip. Well, I don't even want to just say exercising because it is different doing some resistance training and building that muscle versus just going for like a walk each day, which is still great, right? but it's different. It is. Um, but yeah, it, it's so, and that's really kind of the point I want to hone in for our listeners with this is depending on the exercise you're doing you can get away with a little bit more carbs or a little less, Mm -hmm. but resistance training and building more muscle is usually the key to being able to get away with a bit more. And it's because carbs are stored there. Exactly. Yeah. And beyond, you know, blood sugar and muscle, it, you, you want to be strong, you know, so many benefits, especially for women too, like just to keep up. And I, it's so funny, Austin, I don't know why, maybe it's because I'm not being targeted with things, but it does bother me that I feel like there's still not a lot of discussion around like sarcopenia, which is for everyone listening. It's just, as we get older, our muscle starts to waste away and we also don't digest protein as well. And, but we lose more muscle and a big thing for me 
is trying to get ahead of that for a lot of people. So as women are approaching, right, they're in their forties, um, fifties, and even earlier, just getting in the habit of lifting weights, but that's a big thing. Like, and that's men and women, um, women, and it's not even, I think it needs to be talked about more with women. I'm not an expert on this, but especially around that 40, 50, 60 range, things change with osteopenia (laughs) and your bone strength. And, and just, and I've even seen like, you know, personally with my dad, like his, muscle, his muscle mass. And he's a very active person, but he does more cardio than resistance training, very active person. And his muscle is just wasting away. And I keep telling him, I'm like, unfortunately you have to combat it each time. But I think it's so important if we can get people in their forties and get them or even in their thirties, right. And just start getting them in the habit of resistance training it's to help, you know, not only, I mean, we can prevent it, but we're all going to lose more muscle, but if we can start off in a place where we have more muscle and then we're just combating it versus trying to play catch up, which is really difficult. Um, resistance training can be really supportive. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for anybody in their twenties, thirties, especially like that's, that's going to be the time in your lives where building muscle is easier mm-hmm. uh, when your body is still young and able to, um, to recover a lot easier. Um, and then that muscle that you build, is going to be a lot harder to, to lose as you maintain it moving forward. Cause like you said, yeah. we're, we're all, you know, we're all going to wither away eventually. <laughs> um, totally. But we want to, I know for me personally, I, I envision myself, I see like 65, 75 year old, like grandparents, like just killing it in the gym. I totally want that to be me. Like that's my overall goal, not just to, to be strong, but I know that muscle mass is just so closely tied to longevity and not just living longer, but having a good like faculty of mind, we know how prevalent Alzheimer and dementia is in our um, man in just in our country worldwide and having more muscle mass being physically active are one of the things that we can do to, to combat those things. Yeah. I don't know, Austin, if you're familiar with um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. So she, um, she has, you know, she's created this whole muscle centric medicine and we had an episode Mm. with her and we were talking about how it's also not really discussed and it gets tougher too, because a lot of times when people age, their appetite decreases. Um, but we just don't process and digest protein as well. So typically sometimes for some people, it's like starting at age 50, but it could be closer to 60, 65, 70, we actually have to take in much more protein because the amount that's digested. So here we can talk about like muscle building, right? Muscle recovery. Um, and I want people to know too, like you do need carbohydrates for muscle building and muscle recovery. So also don't think that we're saying do not eat carbs, right? but we need protein for both of that as well. And so just thinking about too, that as you get older, you know, you want to make sure you're incorporating enough protein at each meal and, you know, typically shooting for your average person shooting for like 25 to 30 grams at each meal. But honestly, as you get older, a little bit more, they want to shoot for like closer to 40, sometimes more because you're really only absorbing 
maybe that 30 grams, right? So yeah. it's just things to think about. Obviously, we got off another tangent. This is just no, for any, all our a, listeners. Actually, they know this is like, <laughs> this is what I do, but it's really important. And I love like whenever I can get, you know, a really good personal trainer on that also has a background in nutrition. I love to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I think one of the things about um, protein intake for a lot of people is, you don't know how much you're not getting until you're tracking it like on a daily basis. Yeah. You really. And I'm not like a, I don't track my calories. It's not as much as I used yeah. to when I was trying really hard to build muscle, but um, I would, I always challenge people like just for a week, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life, just for a week, track your mm-hmm. food, even tracking your water. Like how much yep. water are you getting in? How much protein are you getting in? And then when you actually see it, it's like, Oh shoot, I only got in 60, you know, 50 grams of protein today. <laughs> like, am I going to be okay? Yeah. So many people think they're getting in way more protein than they are. And if you can even shoot for like, yeah, 25 to 30 grams at each meal, maybe, you know, five to 10 at each snack, you're usually in a good spot, but it also depends on your goals. Um, but I would say that's kind of the minimum for most people. And the great thing with protein too, it helps keep you full. Um, we were talking about a lot about blood sugar and protein, but protein is so supportive for your metabolism. It's the toughest for our body to digest. So it has to work the hardest. Mm -hmm. So it gives your metabolism the biggest boost. So there are so many great things that come with it. So there's our little right protein, uh, bit, right. Promoting our protein. (laughs) Um, but I'm curious, Austin, I know I've seen you talk about, um, for anyone listening, that's like, well, I'm already in this state of like chronic disease runs in my family. I feel like I'm just destined for it. Poor health runs in my family. And am I really destined to this fate? Yeah. I, um, actually had a really interesting talk with, um, Dr. Ben Dickman, who does some excellent research on insulin. Um, but he said that there are studies that suggest that people, Well, of course, if you have some genetic markers, like, yes, you may be more prone to certain diseases that run in your family. Absolutely. Um, But are you destined? Absolutely not. I think there are other studies that suggest that I think 95 percent of our outcome for chronic diseases are environmental lifestyle, what we eat. Where do we exist? What type of stressors do we have in our lives? We have so much more control over the outcome of our health than we realize. And I think one of the primary reasons that we do experience these familial lines of chronic disease is because many of us have the same habits as our parents. I mean, shoot, I make spaghetti the exact same way as my dad. And it's not like a, it's not something that I try to do. It's totally unconscious. It's I do it because that's how it was done for me. And we all live in this cyclical like nature of just doing what we were taught. Um, and I think that's why it's so important. The number one thing I think that people can do is to educate themselves on your own body, like educate yourself in general on how the human body works, but then really get to understand your body and take inventory of the habits that you have, that you inherited from some of your family members that may have chronic disease and challenge yourself to do things differently and be encouraged because there are so many interesting um, so much interesting research around um, epigenetics and being able yeah. to create new, um, just you can break those chains of chronic disease and you can start something completely different for those that come after you, not just with your genetics, but with what you teach them about how to take care of their bodies as well. Yeah. So well said, Austin. I mean, 
I can't push that enough for anyone listening to hear that because you are not destined to any health fate. It is what you do and how you take care of your body and how you pay attention to it. And if you are already in the stage of experiencing a chronic disease, um, or health issues, you can get out of that as well and know that. Um, so I'm curious, Austin, before we kind of wrap up, are there any other daily health and wellness parts of your routine that are just non-negotiables and you try to practice every day? Um, I try my best to, um, not wake up with my phone. That's a big one that has nothing to do with what we eat or drink, but, um, I've just, I've noticed for me, if I start my day, especially like scrolling and I run across like some bad news, it just, it just creates a different type of energy for the day. So I have a rule that when I wake up, I get sunlight before phone light. Um, and that has a biological benefits as well with our circadian rhythm and helping us to improve our sleep. Um, which is a, we have a whole nother podcast about, um, (laughs) oh yeah, (laughs) circadian rhythm. Um, and then also living a stress-free life. I think, you know, to my benefit, I'm just genetically more like type B personality-wise. So I'm very go with the flow. Um, I take life as it comes. So I have a lower stress level. But um, work, I am also very like go-getter, like ambitious. And I will work myself to the bone and, and love every minute of it until I finally realize, oh, shoot, I'm burnt out. And then like when you're burnt out, the first thing that goes out the window is your nutrition. Like you're just, you're going to stop taking care Mm -hmm. of yourself. Um, So limiting stress is, I think, probably one of the top three things that all of us need to do if we're really trying to take care of our health. Never mind cortisol and all the hormonal impacts, just like our ability to take care of ourselves by not overloading ourselves too much with all the things that, you know, surround living in this society today. So true. Oh my gosh. And I love that sunlight before phone light. Yeah. I feel like it's something you can remember though, you know, like just waking up and like, all right, sunlight versus like before phone light. That's such a good one. That's it. Um, Well, Austin, we love to wrap up every episode with a quick rapid fire Q and a. So first thing that comes to mind, um, first one being when we were just talking about this, but what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Um, just alone time. I have four kids and a wife. So those who aren't familiar. So if I have like an hour to myself, I'm great. Yeah. Like now you're going to tell them the podcast went longer. Just keep the door closed. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna lock the door. It was a two hour recording. Um, exactly. okay. Coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. What do you, how do you take it? So I actually like sugar in mine, which is why I don't drink it often, but I like my caramel, uh, syrup, and um, almond milk. Ooh, so like a, a latte. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite home cooked meal. Ooh, um, s- steak and veggies. Mm, I'm a simple yeah. guy. Mushrooms and um, peppers. You got to cook it in the cast iron skillet after the steak. So it's got some of the juice. That's my favorite meal. So good. That sounds delicious. Um, well, Austin, thank you so much. I want you to tell people where they can find you, where they can watch your awesome videos on Instagram um, and just learn more about you. Cool. So my uh, Instagram is Metabolism Mentor. It's, I'm still getting used to that. My name is Austin McGuffey. I want people to call me that. Sometimes I get DMs <laughs> like, thanks, Metabolism Mentor. And I'm like, okay, that was weird. 
but um, that's my Instagram. Uh, that's probably where I'm most active. And then YouTube, I um, I have a whole bunch of really cool content planned for YouTube. So that's also Metabolism Mentor. And um, you can see me on a whole bunch of levels videos as well. Um, just like breaking down, you know, interesting topics in metabolic health. Awesome. Thank you so much, Austin. And hopefully we'll get to chat again soon. We will. I'm sure of it. This week, I want you to use Austin's mealtime strategy of using a bowl for some of your meals and place the starch on the bottom and your protein, veggies, and healthy fats on the top. Let us know in the comments of this episode if it helped keep you fuller longer and prevented you from overeating any unnecessary starches. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.